0: Hello, and thank you for joining us today as we
1: walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in the love of the Lord together. I'm Megan Silas. And I'm Pam Marvin. We're inviting you in today to this episode where we'll be talking about understanding scrupulosity. Yeah, so scrupulosity, it's a
0: intriguing little word that uh, probably we should define before we get too much into the conversation. Um, it's something within the spiritual life where instead of the more common, shall we say, sense of, oh, it's okay. God doesn't mind. You know, I'm sure that's not a sin, sort of a laxity in our understanding of what's sinful in our lives. It's when it take it to the opposite extreme. And it's almost like you can't even, you know, make a move without feeling like you've sinned. Like everything becomes a a worry and a concern of, Oh my goodness, is that a sin? Um, and then, have I? Can I do anything right? And it, you, you—it's fear. It's a constant fear and anxiety that you are in a state of sin. Offending the Lord. You're offending mm-hmm. the Lord. You you can very often, people who struggle with scrupulosity will start thinking that, you know, the most minor venial sins are mortal sins, or they can think that things that aren't even sin at all are sinful. And so it's a really, a deep, um, fearful lack of understanding about the truth of your behavior and how it is, Sinful or not sinful, right?
1: And it can be a real struggle for some people. Oh, I understand. I've had moments in my life where I really felt that way. Um, but you know, I, I have to say that some of it was really rooted in poor self-image. Oh, absolutely. It and and just case. like, oh, I'm so horrible. I'm so bad. Being stuck in this human body, sometimes I can do nothing but sin. Right. Right. And I do think that for the Christian,
0: there. is we we kind of have to walk almost this difficult line of living in the reality of a very paradoxical situation, which is we are fallen and we can do nothing without the Lord, Amen. which is true. Yes. But in the other hand, we are loved and created in the image of likeness of God and we are good. So (laughs) <laughs> to walk these two lines, to, to live in that both and, which seems so far apart, mm-hmm. it can be a challenge at times. And so sometimes people, they can become so consumed by their fallenness, their fa- the fact that, you know, we are we do have a sinful fallen nature, that they cannot see themselves for anything but their sin. And it does remind me of, you know, St. John Paul II. He said, we are not the sum of our sins, but the sum of God's love for us. Beautiful. Yes. I mean, what a beautiful, beautiful way of looking at oneself. But to say that doesn't deny our sinfulness, but at the same time acknowledges that we are not defined by our sinfulness, that we are so much more than our sinfulness.
1: We are beloved children of God. And that we do many things that are good. Well, this this reminds me of when I did a lot of work with Dr. Miranda Walachowski, who is a PhD in educational psychology. And one of the things that she said that really stood out to me is something for us to be aware of as a human in general, the way our brains are wired, are wired for fight or flight, and we are wired toward the negative. Like we naturally will see the negative before we see a positive. And I think the good Lord wants us all to re- wire ourselves back toward the positive. So this really lends itself with um, figuring out the difference between scrupulosity and just the other, which would be living in God's word.
0: Right. And I, we did our last episode um, on perfectionism. And that aspect of a, a human personality, a person who struggles with perfectionism, is can be at play with scrupulosity and in fact there tend to be two different reasons why people fall into the struggle of scrupulosity either it's a a personality thing which you know often comes from you know, their how they came to understand themselves and their family of origin and through their life experiences and it may also just be because of their temperament that they have this this perfectionism where they feel like I have to get everything right and, you know, I they're constantly struggling to see where they're getting things wrong and trying to correct it. And so they're always seeing their faults and always striving to for some, you know, self defined idea of perfection Mm -hmm. so that's one side and and then the other side is it can truly be a real spiritual battle where the the enemy is whispering the lies time and time and time again you know you're you're fallen you're not good you're sinful you're sinful you're bad 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 and your perspective gets totally warped by by that lie Mm -hmm. now for anyone out there who may be struggling with scrupulosity themselves or know somebody that's struggling with scrupulosity, it cannot be denied that this actually can also be a particular manifestation of a psychiatric disorder. So people with obsessive compulsive disease can exhibit, particularly very faithful people, who have OCD can exhibit their OCD as scrupulosity. Interesting. So, you know, before we get into conversing about this too much from the standpoint of maybe just a more temperament or human woundedness perspective or the more spiritual struggle perspective, I do want to encourage people, if you've had a long-term consistent struggle with scrupulosity Or, you know, somebody who has not something like Pam was saying where it kind of comes and goes and, you know, whatever, but a real long term struggle. I would encourage going to see a mental health professional because God has given us these means of understanding our physical self and given us even medication sometimes that can help us to overcome these challenges with a multi-prong attack. And if there's truly a significant psychiatric disorder, that's a part of the scrupulosity, you're going to need that involvement to, because to tell somebody with a true OCD, well, you just need to pray your way out of it is not going to be helpful. And God wants people to get the help that's available to them that they need in order to come to know him and themselves more fully and completely. So I think that's very helpful. Yeah. So we're not going to go a lot into the discussion of OCD and how to, you know, treat that. And it's like, yeah, that's not really the purview of this show, but I didn't want to not mention that as we move on to the other ways of talking about this for more of a, uh, you know, human formation, you know, spiritual side of
1: things. So I have kind of an example for us to work with because, uh, I remember it happened a few years ago when my daughter was, I guess, middle school age. And so it really was a great conversation for us to have, but I want to just give you this example so we can, you know, kind of bite into it a little bit. She was, um, you know, in middle school and on our, on our street, she was down at the neighbor's house. And the neighbors had a back fence that had a gate that went over to the park, let's say. And she, They were told, do not use this without permission. Do not use this gate without permission. Well, for whatever reason, my daughter, when she was with some friends taking a walk, they decided to go and use that gate. And she came back to me and says, mom, I think I just committed a mortal sin.
0: (laughs) And I was like,
1: why do you say that? And she said, well, because I knew it was wrong and I chose to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So see, there's a little scrupulosity right, there because right. she was thinking she was in mortal sin because she knew it was wrong and she chose to do it anyway. Which are
0: two, you know, of the conditions, conditions for mortal sin. But I would definitely say it didn't reach the level of a grave matter. Grave matter. <laughs> exactly. So, right. And that's the thing. Uh, when people are scrupulous, what they will see grave matter when there's not grave matter. We'll and, and that's how venial sin can turn into their minds mortal sin. Because they they take things that are really are are not, you know, to the level of, you know, grave matter and they make it
1: grave matter in their mind. Well, I think talking about grave matter is pretty important, too, then, because I think in today's world, people don't think there's such thing as a grave matter. You know, you you know,
0: like we did talk about at the beginning of the show, I said it is more much more common to be on the lax end of these things mm -hmm. of not seeing sin where there's sin Um, and, you know. That is a problem. And we tend to not have well-formed consciences in this day and age because we are so quick to, you know, say, well, you know, who am I to judge? And, you know, if if it feels right, if it feels good, then it must be good because, you know, all good things come from the Lord. So if it feels Mm -hmm. good, it must be good, Mm -hmm. right? Well... No, not necessarily. And I think that's where we really do have to fall back on um, what Scripture has taught us and what, you know, has been revealed to us through the church. And that's one of the really great blessings we have as Catholics is that we don't have to figure this stuff all out on our own. You know, we have a church which (laughs) has saints and saints, which have guided us and are here to guide us through sacred scripture, through tradition to help us to know these are grave matters. These are not grave matters. And so and we have recourse to confession where you know if we if we're not sure we can bring it to confession and be like, and, and ask for counsel we can you know seek spiritual direction if we're not certain and we need help in discerning these things so the church gives us a lot of tools to help us with this discernment to understand the truth of our sinful nature and we need to use those but what happens often with a person who's scrupulous and this is why, even though it seems so self-debasing, if you're always thinking that you're sinful, 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 it's actually, in its core, pride. Because really? w- Because what it says is, I know better what sin is than what the church teaches or what the Bible says or whatever. Like, it puts yourself in the judgment seat.
1: Well, that, that does presuppose a certain level of formation that you would even know that. Like that wasn't definitely wasn't my case that I knew it. I just got this overwhelming sense that everything was ick and oh, and oh, it's bad. And oh my gosh, everything that I did was selfish. But the thing, everything,
0: the thing that I'm saying is if the church says to you, no, that's not a sin, you know, say for example, a fleeting negative thought comes into your head. You recognize it as a negative thought You choose not to act on it. You choose not to speak it. The fact that that negative thought came into your head, it's not a sin. Right. You didn't will it. You didn't participate in it. You didn't entertain it. And you didn't entertain it. Okay. So this is what our church teaches us. If you say, nope, you're wrong. Church, you're wrong. You know, Bible, you're wrong. Whatever. I I know it's a sin. It's Mm -hmm. a sin. That I even thought that. Well, who are you putting in this judgment seat? You're putting yourself there. Right. You know, and so in order to kind of move out of a sense of scrupulosity, you have to grow in trust of not only God's mercy, but also the truth of what the church teaches about these things. You have to trust. Even if I feel like it's sinful, I'm going to trust that the church is right on this. Just like on the alternate side. Well, even if I feel like it's okay, if the church says it's wrong, it's wrong. It's wrong. And don't put yourself in that judgment seat either. Mm -hmm. So it has to be on both ends of, of trusting the truths that's been handed down in the wisdom of the saints and the traditions of the faith and not
1: putting ourselves above what God has taught us. Right. Well, and we can also have that boomerang effect of not seeing sin anywhere. You have the scrupulosity and then not seeing sin anywhere. What? I'm good. There's no problem here. I'm not committing any, any mortal sins. Uh, Maybe Mm -hmm. some venial that I can't even articulate. You have that side too. Oh, absolutely. And
0: you know, like we said, that's probably the more common side this, this time around. But I, I do think while that puts your soul at, real peril to to have a laxity especially if you're claiming things aren't mortal sins that have been clearly defined as mortal sins like you are in spiritual peril people who are, are struggling with scrupulosity they are in anguish a lot of times the people in spiritual peril over here who are just like, I'm just going to live and let it be. And God, I'm sure is fine I'll with just it. go to
1: confession. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> often,
0: you know, they may down the line, you know, you always will deal with the negative consequences of your sinfulness. It never in the end goes well for you, but usually they're not in a place of spiritual angst, struggle, pain, but the folks in the scrupulosity side of things where they see sin at every turn, often are really suffering, just suffering an emotional, spiritual anguish that is just so sad and so much binding. You lose your freedom to have joy in the Lord. You know, probably I'm going to just quote this scripture almost every second or third podcast, but my, one of my favorite scriptures where St. Paul says, Christ has set us free for freedom. So no, do not, no longer undergo the yoke of slavery. Well, when you're struggling with scrupulosity, you are bound by the slavery of a lie about your own sinfulness. And you will never be free to live joyfully the witness of Christ in your life if you're bound with fear. And again, the one that often the scripture that goes with this, you know, Christ has set us free for freedom is the um, from St. John's letter where he says, perfect love casts out all fear. So if you're bound in fear, it means that there is an aspect of who you are and your understanding of God that is not fully abandoned to his love. You're not trusting in God's love and mercy. If all you can think about is your own fear of sinfulness.
1: Right. Which I think can only be really, well, at least one of the portals to to really heal that is letting God, the father in to heal that part of you. I mean, one of my favorite types of prayer is in the adoration chapel saying, Lord, heal those areas. You're ready to heal in me. I need Mm. your healing love. Like, for for years, I went to adoration to just adore my Jesus, which is good. And now I go to let Him heal me. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to sit there and let Him heal right. me of those things. So, and sometimes He uses—I'm sure He uses those moments of scrupulosity in our lives to try and reveal that's not where he wants us and wants mm-hmm. to heal that part of us that is saying, Oh, I'm so unworthy. No one loves me. Um, I'm not worthy of God's love. I right. mean, I've, yeah. I've worked with a few women too that just like, I don't believe him when he says I'm worthy. Absolutely. And, that, and that's, that's what scripture does to yes. you, right? It really yes. does bind you up that way. And
0: you know, if you talk about healing, I, I think a good, place to talk about scrupulosity is also as it relates to our one of our great sacraments of healing which is confession unfortunately people who struggle with scrupulosity can run into a problem with confession which is they're so fearful of their sinfulness that they run to confession like they might go four times five times a week Because every day they feel like they're falling into mortal sin and they're so afraid of it. They're like, I got to get to confession. I got to get to confession. So that to the point that this this sacrament, which is supposed to meant, be meant for our healing, mm-hmm. can actually become a crutch for our for our woundedness, for our sickness. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important that a person who's struggling with scrupulosity finds a good confessor. And I would recommend... You don't just go to general hours of confession and find a priest, any other, and you hop around. Because I think these folks, they often fall into a sort of priest hopping situation as it relates to confession because, you know, when they they start getting embarrassed right that they're coming to the so, so often, often and the priest is like hearing things that they're repeating over and over again even things that they've already absolved that's another problem with scrupulosity oh, you don't you trust go. in mm-hmm. the absolution of the sacrament and so they'll hop around so that they don't get you know on the radar of any priest no if you really really want to overcome this struggle with scrupulosity you need to find a confessor you need to stick with that person. You need to go not every other day, but he will probably tell you I don't want to see you any more than maybe every other week, maybe even once a month and that might be very hard wow. for you. But it is a way to start separating the and from and cutting those chains that are binding you to these lies that say, you know, everything you do is sinful and everything you do is bad and start helping you work on trusting in God's mercy and his healing power and that you are loved and that you don't have to constantly be, you know, just flailing yourself internally um, with this idea that there's no good in you.
1: Right. It really starts with the understanding and believing the Lord when he says, you are a beloved child of God. Right. You are my child.
0: And, you know, last time when we were talking about perfectionism, we, we got into a, a bit of a conversation about charisms and about how God has given all of us certain gifts that were meant to use to glorify him and to help win souls for the kingdom. And scrupulosity is going to be a great way that the enemy will use to prevent you from using the charisms God's given you. Because if you are completely focused on your being bad, your sinfulness, all the negative things that exist and don't even exist actually in Mm -hmm. your life, the things that you even just have made up in your mind are that are bad there's no way you're ever going to fully see recognize and utilize the goodness within you the gifts that are within you so it prevents you from being that fully alive human being who's living out the grace of god's charisms in your life because those things are all going to be um just completely blocked off from you because you're totally turned in onto all negative things.
1: So would you say that one of the ways to like, first of all, acknowledge you're falling into scrupulosity and one of the ways to start to pull yourself out of it is really more focused on, gratitude, I'd say. So to try and rewire that brain toward more positive things that happen, like thinking about the good gifts that God gave you that day, would you say that that would be one of the ways you could try and start to pull yourself away from scrupulosity?
0: Sure. But I would actually say, I wouldn't like to use the word, pull yourself away from scrupulosity because you can't pull yourself away from scrupulosity. Yeah. You know, you need to allow God to pull you out of a disordered thinking Mm Mm-hmm. And and the way that you can do that is to, I think gratitude is a beautiful way to look at it, is to actively force yourself to focus on the ways in which God has worked in your life in that day. Um, For example, you know, to do a daily examination of conscience, a person who struggles with scrupulosity is probably going to spend all the time. That they would ever do in an examination of conscience each day on all the ways they messed up, all the things that they did wrong, all the, you know, whatever. But that's not what an examination of conscience is meant to be. Now, should we acknowledge those things if they are true? Yes. But we're also called to spend time in examination of conscience of thanking the Lord for the grace that he gave us in the in the day and acknowledging the ways that we responded yes to his invitations and his grace. And so a person who is struggling with scrupulosity can use that as an opportunity to try to cooperate with God in understanding yourself more truthfully, more fully by really spending time each day, focusing on Lord, where are the ways that you blessed me today? Where are the ways I said yes to you Mm. and to your invitations to serve you and to live in your grace, because then you'll start becoming mindful and aware of the ways that you are good Mm. and beautiful and that the way that God is working in you and in the contrast, when you look at the authenticity of goodness It will then help you discern more clearly the lies, the inauthentic things that you're either you're telling yourself because of your temperament, woundedness or whatever, or that the enemy is telling you. Mm -hmm. Right. Because as Christ tells us, you know, I am the good shepherd and my sheep know my voice
1: and they follow
0: me and they follow me. But when you're stuck in scrupulosity, you're not hearing the voice of the good shepherd. You're either hearing your own internal voice or the voice of the enemy. So you need to learn That's how to attend to the voice of the good shepherd. And so start focusing on goodness, the words of goodness that he's speaking into his lot li- in your life, the actions of goodness he's speaking into your life. And then when you do that more and more and more, you'll start to recognize, okay,
1: Here are the things that stand opposed to the good shepherd. But I have to say, too, I had a moment where um, as I was trying to pull myself out of a place like that, I was constantly reminded the Holy Spirit kept saying, you were made in the image and likeness of God. And even think about that, even if I felt like it was only one small part of me that had that true goodness being made in his image to focus on that part of me to try and overcome what I thought to be so much sinfulness so constantly is knowing, wait a second, I can't, I'm not all bad. I know Mm. I'm not all bad because I was made the image and likeness of God.
0: You know, it just came to mind actually that it is, um, conjectured that, uh, Luther, Martin Luther actually probably struggled from scrupulosity Mm -hmm. Where he just saw sin in himself at every turn to the point where he described, you know, himself and, and the Christian as basically a big dung heap that's just been covered in snow. And the, the snow is, you know, Christ's saving sacrifice. But at the core, we're still the dung heap. We're just covered in Christ. That is not Catholic teaching. I want to say that right now if any of you out there think the Catholic Church teaches that about the Christian soul, that is not true. What is taught by our church is that the the sacrifice of Jesus Christ not just covers over, it e- obliterates our There's sinfulness. Right? And so when we are when we are forgiven, it is gone. It's gone. You don't have to Think that that yuckiness is still in you, and the what the participation that we give is we just say, Lord, I give my sin over to you. I ask for your mercy. I ask for your forgiveness, and then when you give it, I accept it as true. Amen. Amen. Right, mm-hmm. and so don't the, the people who are struggling with scrupulosity they're just thinking they're a big dunk heap. And that's so sad because that's not who God sees you to be. No, but that
1: is definitely where the tempter
0: wants you to stay. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. That's where he wants you to stay. So utilize confession and the way it's meant to be utilized as a place to receive God's mercy and to accept that mercy.
1: And and take advantage of those spiritual friendships you have been building. Um, Go to your good friend and dear friend and say, Hey, look, I'm struggling with this. Mm -hmm. Can you, you know, Throw some light on that for me, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you could be
0: like, okay, well, I did this today or this happened in my life today, and I'm really struggling and fe- feeling like it's a sinful thing. So, person over here who I trust and who loves me, can you just speak to me about your perspective on that? You know, how do you see that? Do you think that this is a sin? Do you think that whatever? And it's so good to get other perspectives because so, so much good. we can, you know, we just get in our own heads and, you know, the, the, the wounds that exist, the enemy who wants to speak, all these sort of things. And it can get very confusing. And sometimes we really are meant to help each other walk this path by giving a perspective yes,
1: uh, on the truth of the matter. It's so true. I mean, as someone who's done spiritual guidance, given and both received, like both of us, you've seen this over time and time again, I can't be a spiritual friend to myself it just doesn't happen you know Mm -hmm. you're too you're too close to it there's a cloudedness for you to be able to see that part of you and that's why the the spiritual friendships the spiritual guides the confessors are all a vital part of us growing in holiness right and i would
0: recommend particularly for people who are struggling with scrupulosity to not only have a regular confessor but to also have either a spiritual director or, or you know try to maintain a very close spiritual friendship so that, because, you know, the confessor is not always going to have the opportunity or time to really dig into some of these things, but you, you're going to need that, that sounding board to really give you um, a, a more objective perspective on the things that you're struggling with. And so I, it really is an area where I would just encourage people don't try to go it alone engage those people that God wants to use as your help in this. We're called to, we're called to help each other on this, to be Simons for each other, to walk shoulder to to shoulder. shoulder. Right. (laughs) Right? And so (laughs) so don't, don't think, you know, I have to be alone with this because, you know, honestly, if you think you're awful and terrible, you know, those are the very people who are going to isolate themselves. Right. Because they Mm -hmm. don't want anybody else to know about their awful terribleness. That's right. But, God wants to bring help into your life, both through his grace and mercy directly through the Holy Spirit, but also through other people that he puts in your life. Be aware. Yeah. So seek those people. Trust that God will give you the people that you need. If you don't have those people in your life right now, pray for them. Pray that the Lord will bring the people into your life that you need
1: to be the holy healthy person that he calls you to be. And that just sounds like a beautiful segue to the coming podcast in the next few weeks. We are going to be talking about forming spiritual friendships. We are. It's so much an important aspect
0: of why this podcast was founded. And I think a lot of people, they want it. They want badly to have, you know, deep um, spiritual friendships. I just don't quite know how to get there. So we're going to talk a little bit about the process of developing spiritual friendships and and how that can uh, take place in your life. And hopefully uh, it'll bless you all. I hope this episode blessed you all.
1: And, And if you have a friend you think it could bless, please share this podcast. We really hope the Lord will inspire you and maybe a friend. Absolutely. So until next time, God bless. God bless.